Does the Bible give us enough information to determine how long the days of creation were? Have the scientists really proven this earth is four and a half billion years old? What should Christians believe about the creation account in Genesis? And should the age of the earth really matter to Christians? Well, I want to welcome you to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle. And in this session, we're going to be answering the question, does the age of the earth really matter? And specifically, we're going to be talking to Christians because we know it does matter to non-believers. They hold to four and a half billion years and they will not change that story. But what about Christians? What should they believe about the age of the earth? And does it really matter? Well, to help us understand the answer to this question, we're going to look at two areas of data. Number one, what does the Bible teach about creation? Does it have anything to say about the length of time and how long the days of creation were? And number two, we're going to look at science and what is being taught in our education system. So those will be the two areas we're going to look at. Well, to start with, most people, including Christians, will turn to a scientific book rather than to the Bible to get the information how old this earth is. What that basically means is, is the Bible is not their authority on this issue. They have raised something higher in their life than God's Word. And they've actually, many of them, have rejected the clear text in the Bible to add in millions and billions of years. So to some Christians, it does appear to matter. They want billions of years. But what does the Bible teach? That's the key. Because, see, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, the Bible makes this statement. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you notice what that scripture stated? All scripture is God-breathed. Not some of it, but all of it. Why? So that we can be thoroughly equipped. That means from beginning to end, we need to know it all. Then we can read in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus Christ makes this statement. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Did you get that? Every word of God is how we are to live. This includes the book of Genesis and the very first verse, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, we should examine God's Word to see if it gives us information about time and how long the days of creation were. In other words, we need to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, verse 11. We should search the Scriptures to see if things are really true or not. If we don't do that, then why do we even have a Bible if we're not going to use it as our authority? In other words, as Christians, the Word of God must be our authority on all matters. Not our imaginations, not emotions, and certainly not any biology textbook. If we really call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, His Word must be our authority. So let's examine six different references in the Bible that talk about the days of creation and will help us understand how long they really were. First, we'll start with the plain reading of the text. You see, God specifically chose the word day. There are other Hebrew words he could have used to indicate long periods of time or long ages, 
but he chose none of them. He specifically chose the word day. Now, second evidence, second reference. When we read through Genesis chapter 1, we notice there's a number with the word day. Is that important? Well, we believe so. Because a number occurs with the word day 410 times in the Old Testament. And it never means a long period of time. It always means a short period of time a day. There are no exceptions in the Old Testament to that rule. In other words, God is consistent with how he had the Bible written. Then third, God actually defined the length of the days of creation. He gave each day a definite beginning and a definite ending. Evening and morning first day, evening and morning second day, evening and morning third day. Everywhere in the Old Testament we see the words evening and morning. It always means a day, never anything else. God is making it very plain here. These days were literal days. Well, let's go to evidence four now. And we turn to the Ten Commandments. Specifically, commandment number four in Exodus 20, verse 11, where it states, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Do you know what happened there? God wrote this down. God wrote down with his own hand six days. He put a number of the word day. He defined the length of the days. There are other words he could use, but he specifically chose the word day. It is quite obvious these days were literal days. Well, let's go to evidence number five then. That has to do with Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, where it reads, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Did you note the words day, season, and years here? See, if the word day does not mean a literal day in that verse, then how long is a season or a year? See, if day doesn't mean a day in that verse, the whole verse has no meaning, and why is it even in the Bible then? Now, let's go to evidence number six. We will turn to the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. The very words of Jesus Christ in Mark 10, verse 6, where Jesus states this, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. What Jesus Christ is telling us here is that man and woman were on this planet from the beginning of the creation, not after millions of years. Do we really believe Jesus or not? See, what can we conclude from this? You see, what we can make from all these six evidences, this is not rocket science. This is not hard to understand that in Genesis chapter 1, the word day does mean a literal day. In other words, God's creation was in six literal days. To make it say anything else is a clear rejection of God's word. And remember, all Scripture is God-breathed, not some of it, but all of it. And he chose the word day. And we are told that we are to live every, by every word of God. Not some of it, but every word of God. Now, let's take a look at what some of the Hebrew scholars have to say about this. Let's start with Robert McCabe. He's a, got his Ph.D. in Old Testament languages, and he states this about the days of creation. Yom, now Yom is the Hebrew word for day. So Yom always refers to a normal literal day when used as a singular noun and is not found in a compound grammatical construction such as used in the book of Genesis. And he goes on to state, 
whether evening and morning are used together in a context with day or they are used without day, they are used consistently in the Old Testament as a reference to literal days. That's a Hebrew scholar. Let's look at another one, Dr. Wang, who has his PhD in Biblical Studies and is a professor of Biblical Hebrew, and he states, In Genesis 1, Yom comes with evening and morning and is modified by a number. So it is obvious that the Hebrew text is describing a 24-hour day. Now let's look at Andrew Steinman. He has his Ph.D. in Eastern Studies and a professor of theology and the Hebrew language. And he states, There was an evening and there was a morning, and one day essentially says evening plus morning equals one day. In this context, day is clearly defined as being a regular day. So the evidence is clear, and it's not hard to understand. A day is a day in Genesis chapter 1. To make it say anything else again is a clear rejection of God's Word. But now we have to ask the question, why does it matter whether these days are literal days or long ages? Well, let me give you two reasons why it does matter. Number one, it affects the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number two, it will affect the very character of our Creator God. So let's start with number one. How does the age of the earth affect the gospel? Well, concerns our understanding of the relationship between sin and death. See, the Bible teaches that death is the result of sin. And we read this in the New Testament in Romans 5:12, where it states this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. In other the Bible's clear on this, even in the New Testament, that sin is the cause of death. Romans 8, 20 through 22 also teach that all of creation is groaning. All of creation has been corrupted because of one man's sin. Now, if the earth is really billions of years old, as evolutionists would have us believe, then we must reinterpret Scripture to read this way. In the beginning, God created, and the process went on for billions of years. After many long ages, Adam and Eve were created, or evolved, if you're believing in evolution. And finally, next in the timeline comes the fall. Then the question we have to ask, if that is true, what was going on for those millions and billions of years before Adam and Eve and the fall? And the answer to this question would be death, decay, and struggle. In other words, the fossil record is a record of dead things. And that's what would have been going on for all these billions of years, things dying and decaying. In other words, a belief in billions of years is a firm belief in death before sin. If sin is not the cause of death, this is something else we have to ask ourselves. If sin is not the cause of death, then why did God have to send His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, physically to this planet, to physically suffer and die a horrible death on the cross and then be raised again on the third day to conquer death. Why did that have to happen? If you're believing in billions of years, you do not have a very good answer to that question. And if we cannot answer that question, folks, how can we be a witness to a world that does also not believe? In addition, what does it mean in Scripture in Colossians 15 Verse 26, when it states this, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. 
And the word for enemy there really means opposition to God. Now, the Bible teaches that death is an opposition to God. The Bible teaches that death is an intrusion into God's perfect creation, not something He created. Therefore, when God restores everything in the end times, is He going to restore it back to more death and decay? You see, once we add millions and billions of years into the Bible, it doesn't affect just Genesis. It affects the very gospel of Jesus Christ. It affects our very perspective on what's going to even happen in the end times. What's God going to restore everything to? Death and decay? Now, the conclusion we've seen on that is that long ages really does undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, it does matter what we believe about the age of the earth. Now, how about the character of God? In Genesis 1, verse 31, we read this. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Question, does God's very good include death, decay, and disease? You see, if God called everything very good, and this time period, and there was really millions and billions of years, the question again is what was going on for those millions and billions of years before God called everything very good? It would be death, decay, struggle, and disease. You see, my God, I don't believe the God of the Bible teaches that death, decay, disease, and struggle is very good or perfect. And if that's what you're teaching, and that's what you're believing, if you believe in billions of years, death, decay, and disease, what, called God, what God called very good, I have a question. If that's God's perfect, very good, why do you want to go to heaven? Why do you even carry the Bible around anymore if you're believing your God teaches death, decay, and disease is very good? You see, it affects the very character and nature of who we believe God is when we start acting like the world and adding to God's Word man's wisdom. It does, not, it does make a difference what we believe about the age of the earth. Do we really believe the Word of God, or are we just going to be playing games with it? See, the church needs Christians today who have courage and commitment. People who are not afraid to stand firm on the Word of God, even when it's not popular. So let's go to part two of this talk now. What about the scientific evidence? And what are they teaching in our public education system? Well, the public education system, secular universities, and unfortunately, many Christian universities are teaching that the earth is billions of years old. And we know what that means now. They're getting a different version of the gospel and a different character about God. Now, they are under the impression, why did they do this? They're really under the impression that the scientists have proven the earth is billions of years old. A problem is that many people, including our Christian professors out there, main church leaders, don't seem to understand the difference between proof and persuasion. See, proof requires observational evidence, and there is no observational evidence that can prove this age of the earth. The dating methods are all based on assumptions. Plus, every time we know when a rock was formed, these radiometric dating methods never give us a correct age. But yet, this is what they're teaching in the school systems. They teach all these detailed information about the radiometric dating methods, but they don't talk about the assumptions. They have been deliberately left out of the textbooks. Let's take a look at some quotes from some scientists on this. Vernon Cups, who has his Ph.D. in nuclear physics, makes this statement. 
Of the eight assumptions, we're talking about radiometric dating now, the assumptions, none can be considered to rigorously hold in all situations. Therefore, dating by this method is, at best, a hypothesis concerning the age of any rock, sweet, or mineral. It is certainly not a fact. Now, here's Jim Mason. He has his PhD in experimental nuclear physics, and he makes this statement about the dating methods. The fact that radiometric ages for rocks of known ages turn out to be so seriously inaccurate is a strong suggestion that one or more of these assumptions is incorrect. Let me give you some examples of incorrect ages. Mount St. Helens. That volcano in the state of Washington blew up in 1980. And from that explosion, from that eruption, many rocks were formed. And these rocks from 1980 were taken to the labs and dated to be up to 2.8 million years old. It doesn't work, folks. These are inaccurate. Lava flows from New Zealand, dating from, we know when they were formed, in 1975. They were dated to be 275,000 years old. In addition, what are supposedly the youngest rocks in the Grand Canyon were dated to be 300 million years older than the supposed oldest rocks, according to evolutionists in the Grand Canyon. Folks, this method does not work. When you look at the observable evidence, it doesn't work. It only works when we have a strong belief in evolutionism, but it doesn't work according to science. See, the Earth is not old because of any scientific facts. We have been persuaded that the Earth is old. Many of our Christian university professors and church leaders have been persuaded by the evidence. See, why is this? Why, is it? why have they been persuaded? Because they keep hearing the media state billions and billions of years. Why do they do this? Because of a clear rejection of the Word of God. And that's coming from within the church and our Christian universities. And thirdly, why do they hold to these billions of years? Because of the indoctrination by the public education system. See, the public education system has censored, censored out all scientific information that goes against Darwinian evolution. They've even disallowed critical analysis of the evolution process. Let me give you an example. Here's an example from a professor at the City University of New York, and he makes this incredible statement. Creationist and intelligent design proponents have scored an important victory in Louisiana this week, at least for now. In its appalling lack of wisdom, that state's legislature overwhelmingly approved a bill that requires teachers to introduce to the students material that promotes critical thinking skills. Isn't that incredible? They don't want our students to critically analyze evolution. They don't even want to critically analyze anything today. What they want is evolutionism taught, a protected faith in this country. See, our textbooks spend much time discussing the technical details of radioactive decay. But again, they fail to teach that they're all based on assumptions. They fail to teach that they really don't measure age at all. This is because no one was there when these rocks were first formed, so we can't measure what the original elements were, and no one was there to see all this process that occurred over these alleged millions and millions of years. Therefore, there's a fatal flaw with all radioactive dating methods, and it is that they are based on assumptions 
about the past. And this has convinced or persuaded many of our Christian university professors, not facts of science, but assumptions. Jonathan Sarfati, who has his PhD in physical chemistry, makes this statement. Age isn't really measured. Rather, certain processes and amounts of materials are measured, and age is inferred via certain assumptions. So I want to start concluding this session with a challenge to many of you Christian university professors out there and church leaders who hold to billions of years. Here's three challenges. Without adding anything to the scriptures, can you show me anywhere in the Bible where it teaches the earth is billions of years old? That is challenge number one. Anywhere in the Bible, and you're not allowed to add anything to God's Word. Secondly, why do you ignore all the biblical evidence for literal days? It's overwhelming that the days are literal days. Why do you not trust God's Word here? And third, why are you ignoring all the scientific evidence that clearly supports this earth is young. Those are challenges to all you Christian university professors and church leaders who hold to billions of years. Is it be, are you holding to billions of years because of your professional status? You want to appear like you're scientific? Is it because you want to be popular with the world? Or is it because you have been persuaded by the so-called evidence? See, the Bible teaches in James chapter 4, verse 4, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I would take these words very seriously while you're teaching this next generation. And here's a quote from Ken Ham, the president of Answers in Genesis. This is the crux of the issue. When Christians have agreed with the world that they can accept man's fallible dating methods to interpret God's Word, they have agreed with the world that the Bible can't be trusted. They have essentially sent out the message that man, by himself, independent of revelation, can determine truth and impose this on God's Word. Once this door has been opened, Regarding Genesis, all of it can happen with the rest of the Bible. And that is a very true statement, folks. Once you have put man's wisdom into God's Word in the book of Genesis, when does it stop? Why, if you don't accept Genesis, here's a question. Why would you accept that Jesus Christ died on that cross, stayed dead for three days, and came back to life? Why would you even accept that if you don't believe the book of Genesis? See, it's time for Christians to return to Scripture and begin training the next generation on God's Word. 2 Corinthians 3.12 states, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. This is what we need. We need boldness. And I'm going to leave you with this final challenge. Let's be bold Christians and not deceived Christians. Thank you and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner 
in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Thank you.